Thank you so much for joining the Gen Church Wall podcast. We are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. This month, we are gearing up for our annual event called Halloween at Home, where we deliver a thousand boo buckets to kids in our community. If you'd like to learn more about this event, head over to mygenerations.church to learn more. We hope that you participate. So what does it mean to be spiritual? How does followership of Jesus look in an era of postmodernism and deconstruction? We're beginning a new series on 1 Corinthians called Masterclass, where the Apostle Paul will help us navigate our cultural moment. Let's respond to the scripture and spirit together. Together. So welcome to Masterclass. If you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1, verses 1 through 9. Um, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, we recently ordered some. And so I, it may be kind of awkward initially, but go ahead and come on over and grab a white Bible out there because we want to bless you with a gift. We're going to be going through 1 Corinthians together for the next 6 to 9 uh, months, and I'm really excited about this, and w- because we're going to use First Corinthians as our basis for this masterclass. And what I mean by that is, if you know anything about masterclass, or if you've seen them online, what these classes attempt to do is to help you hone in on being a specialist or a master by thinking through a subject or an idea. You'll spend hours, weeks, months, or years on how to approach a certain topic or task. Think about cooking with Gordon Ramsay or filmmaking with James Cameron or maybe even singing like Beyonce. We wish, right? Uh, Or leadership, parenting, interior design. In these classes, you take themes and ideas and then you practice no matter your story, no matter your background or level of experience, you enter into this class to get better at something, to experience a change in your life, to see improvement. And the same is true for us. See, no matter where we're at in our life, no matter uh, where we come from, we can approach God in an honest and sincere way and desire change, to want to improve in life, and specifically in this case, improve in all of life, and specifically following Jesus, to change your way of thinking of doing things. Now, Paul experienced this in his own life of sorts, where he was had one way of doing things. He had his background, he had his story, but then he met Jesus and underwent a change. Now, some of you, as I inter- talk about Paul and him writing this letter of 1 Corinthians, some of you go, okay, I've got some experience with Paul, while others of you may be new to the story of Scripture, and that's okay. That's the whole premise of this master class, is no matter your experience or level, that as we walk through this together, some of you may go, oh, I've forgotten about that aspect of Paul's life, or I've forgotten this aspect of 1 Corinthians, and we bring that back to mind to ch- help you change to help you get better as we talk about in this series just get better at life and then there'll be others of you where you go man this is completely new 
And I'm excited for whichever end of the spectrum you might be on, that you are joining us to say that together, over our time together, we will be interrupted and reoriented to Jesus again and again. That as we spend our time in the scriptures and with the Spirit, that the Spirit will be able to say, Here, here's a change. Or here's something that you need to remember. That maybe is in the recesses of your mind or you go again, this is new. And there's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. But we can begin to experience what Paul's hope for us is in this letter. And to become better at following Jesus. See, Paul was content to be a murderous religious zealot to do whatever he wanted to do to make people think or believe his way he was convinced and convicted there was a certain way to do things but then as he started and was interrupted by jesus he changed and it went and sometimes we think paul's change was instantaneous that he instantly went from oh my goodness, I've met the risen Jesus to now I'm a missionary and, across, and planting churches. What we actually miss and when we, we forget about the Apostle Paul is that he didn't meet Jesus in an instant. And he was transformed and changed and he knew something was off in his life. But it took many years of studying, seeking, doing it with community before then he had hands laid on him and then commissioned so what we need to understand is sometimes even as we, read, as we read Paul and we're like, okay, Paul, like you were changed and you say this is the way to do things, uh, that we're going to get it instantly or instantaneously. And sometimes what we, we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go in moments of this series where we go, ooh, that was a little hard to hear. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But my encouragement is when those moments come around, when that whisper of the Spirit comes in or you encounter something that God brings back to your mind, that you process that with others. Because that's the whole goal of Paul writing this letter to the first Corinthians. As he's writing this to a group of people who live in a city, who live in a context, and I'm going to get to their city here in a moment because it's important that we understand the group of people that he's writing to. But as he is writing to them, that they hear that this is not just for them individually, but this is for them collectively. And together, they help each other get better at following Jesus. That's why in the setup to this master class, I'm not set up as your master and going to teach you how or give you the checklist or this is the guide of how to do things. See, I am on this journey with you. Together, we will get better as we look to Jesus to be transformed to be informed and conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And it's going to challenge our feelings. It's going to challenge some of our traditions. And this is Paul's conviction, that as we approach issue after issue, parenting, God, sex, marriage, politics, philosophy, and I know it's going to be ambitious as we go into this series, but Paul addresses all of these aspects of life and more. And his goal is to take an issue, to see something in this group of people's lives and say, listen, I know you're struggling with this. I know you're trying to process this. But let me say, you're saying you believe one thing. 
and your actions aren't adding up and confirming what you believe. And so he's going to challenge us in the best possible way to say, with love and with grace, the behavior I'm seeing needs to point back to your belief. And we, I want your belief and what you say to come back to belief around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This gospel, this good news, this announcement about Jesus and how he opens up a whole new reality. See, master class is going to help us integrate faith, family, and mission all into our life because the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the reason I, I want to take a little bit extra time to kind of set this up this morning is because sometimes we think church or we think this good news about Jesus is just good moral advice to where I can, we can kind of listen, nod our head, and then go do our own thing. Or we think of it like a recipe where if I just mix in the right ingredients, I'll produce this right set of outcomes, meaning my life maybe will be easy or I'll see that victory that I want to see. And we think if we can just, you know, sprinkle a little fairy dust or, you know, you know, mix the, the flour and the eggs and everything together just right to produce a nice cake and we forget a little bit of the sugar or something like that. And then we go, oh no. But we do all of these things sometimes to try to manipulate a certain outcome. And what Paul is going to remind us again and again, fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's go back to his life, death, and resurrection and help that reframe your actions. And so we'll start by looking at some actions, but we'll always trace back to the principle. And then in our context, we'll take that principle and reapply it to our context. Because Sometimes we think our modern world is all kinds of jacked up, and it might be, but here's what we also need to understand. The context that Paul is writing to, this Corinthian church, Corinth is a church in a city that is just as messed up. See, it's an ancient port city which means there was a lot of thinkers, a lot of religions, a lot of different people with different backgrounds and beliefs that stepped into this city. It was also a city that was successful economically. It was also a city that had many temples. And ritual and temple worship was a part of regular life. And for us, we may think, well, that's not necessarily a part of kind of our culture and our context, ritual temple worship. But here's the things. We have things and social activities that we ascribe to as part of regular life. So it might be like going to concerts or going to sporting events. There are things that we do that we just chalk up to as, well, this is normal. And so when Paul addresses this group of people, the types of things they did is, for them, this was normal. So whereas we think of temples as strictly religious, they would have included temple activity as social or even what we think of as a normal part of leisure time. This group of Corinthians had a fiercely independent spirit. I mean, I'm sure glad we don't have any fierce independence in the Northwest. Tongue in cheek, clearly. They also had speakers that came in and talked about self-promotion and positive thinking. People would drop money to go and figure out how to be a better version of themselves in the public square. And it's in this setting that Paul is addressing, that he is talking to. There was even a phrase by a poet called, uh, it, the, the phrase was to Corinthianize, meaning to sleep around. 
Basically, you do you in your personal life. It was then codified in the culture. And they lived in a city that was so immoral that it was a city gone wild, is the way to think about it. So Roman Corinth was prosperous, cosmopolitan, religiously pluralistic, accustomed to visits by impressive traveling public speakers, and obsessed with status, self-promotion, and personal rights. And from a Jewish or Christian viewpoint, as with any pagan city, its inhabitants were marked by the worship of idols, sexual immorality, and greed. And into this context, Paul steps in. And he starts a church by sharing about the good news of Jesus. His life, his death, and resurrection. And we actually read about this story in Acts chapter 18. And Paul spent about 1.5 years getting to know these people. And then he left this city after he started the church. And then along the way, he starts to get some reports about how the church is doing a little bit while after he left. And hint, hint, not well. Essentially what was happening is that the Corinthians identified that the Christian faith was good, but thought, oh, we can do better. See, as Paul moved into the city and people became followers of Jesus and then left, what happened is not much changed in the lives eventually of the believers. So instead of a city gone wild, it was Christians gone wild. And what was happening was they were putting the word Christian in front of what they were doing as if to say, hey, I can be a Christian plumber and that's approved. Or maybe even a Christian porn star and that can be approved. Or a Christian business person, meaning I pray before then I lie on my taxes at least. What was happening is their lives were acting the same. They were being immoral. They were making decisions that were undermining the very good news of Jesus. And they were just saying, well, I'm just a Christian, whatever. And so they were trying to just slap a word in front of their name of sorts and then going on with their everyday lives. The problem Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians reflects the infiltration of their other social values into the church. And so what happens is their actions show that they aren't actually living out what they say they believe. One commentator says this, that the whole point of 1 Corinthians was to address the Corinthian way of being spiritual. They are spiritually endowed, hence they have special wisdom or superior knowledge. It's probably no accident that in this statement, if any of you think you are, that comes up multiple times in 1 Corinthians, is found in each of the three major sections of the letter. It reflects on these crucial Corinthian terms. Wisdom, knowledge, or to be spiritual. And so what Paul must do is to convince them to change both their theology and their behavior to conform to Jesus. And since they are moving towards positions that are contrary to the way of Jesus, it threatens the very good news of Jesus itself. See, you cannot just be a Christianized version of what you already are and determined to remain. So much of our life is we think, if I just show up to church, or if I just do this perceivingly Christian thing, even if I say the right things, but my behavior never actually changes, if my heart is never actually transformed, if I never come into a better way of doing things, 
we must be able to see that our beliefs affect everything else. Although they were the Christian church in Corinth, an inordinate amount of Corinth was yet in them, emerging in a number of attitudes and behaviors that required radical surgery without killing the patient. And this is what Paul's letter attempts to do. He attempts to very methodically and purposefully in the most loving and gentle but blunt and direct way. It says, I know you want to be a better follower of Jesus. And because of that, I'm going to call you on your crap. And I'm going to say, this is where you actually undermine the good news of Jesus. And so, we're going to go from the behavior back to the belief or principle. And reapply it for us each and every week. And what Paul is going to do is from the basis of Old Testament theology, he's going he's to show how that's fulfilled in Jesus. And it's going to be steeped in what he says to help people know, to help people become what they already are. See, this is why we stress each and every week that you are a loved child of God. That you are a part of his family when you've been baptized into him and say yes to Jesus. And so what Paul is trying to help us do is say, I want to help you become in reality what you already are. To help our everyday experience meet the heavenly picture that's already reality. And so we don't have to hang our head. We don't have to be discouraged or defeated. In fact, once again, we can say, let's return our eyes to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and through that, choose to live. And so everything is driven by a worldview. And if you are exploring spirituality, I, I, I've said and made an initial assumption that some of you here have said yes to following Jesus and have been baptized in Him. There are some of you here who maybe have not set, taken that step. So you're going to be overhearing a conversation of sorts about how to be better at life. And the best way to start is always by saying yes to Jesus. See, because we live in a world of made-up spirituality that you can, again, make, mix those concoctions together. I had a conversation this week with someone, and it was actually two weeks ago, is that when I was getting my hair cut. And the person said, well, I, I've got a different set of beliefs, you know, because I pull a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And so this is what I think is best. Chances are in your everyday life, you have people that pull from different scriptures, different traditions, different backgrounds, and even experiences. And we don't want to undermine or say that that story isn't valuable. But what we want to say is when you mix those different things in, when you determine spirituality for yourself, you're actually settling for a lesser version of humanity. And Paul understands belonging, belief, and then behavior in terms of becoming what you are. A perspective that emerges in 1 Corinthians in a number of ways. And we first see this in verse 2. See, when Paul addresses this letter to the church, he says, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called as saints with all those who in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Paul designates the Corinthian church as one of God. They belong to him. 
They are valued by him. There are people who have said yes to following him. And so they are his. He is not comparing them to any other club or society in town, but evokes their place as God's chosen plan. Paul gives them a gentle reminder that they are holy people who belong to God and that extends far beyond their local congregation. See, they are part of a larger family, a larger plan to make help God's revelation of himself in Jesus be made known to the world. And this unity in one locality is to reflect an inherent unity of God's people everywhere. And this unity is not based on their common, necessarily, belief or their common story, but their common relation to the Lord Jesus Christ, who then creates a new story in them and through them. A church that is aware of its connection to the greater story, to the church universal, is less likely to be absorbed in its own problems. See, I think we need to remember that as we begin to follow Jesus, as we do that here as Generations Church, we stand on the shoulders. We stand in the family heritage of people who have been following Jesus for thousands of years. And sometimes we're grateful for that family heritage. And sometimes we go, man, I think they got this wrong here. But regardless, God has been working a plan through people. And we can appreciate that and be reminded of that. So when we focus in on our own individual problems, and as we think about, man, how do I solve this situation? How to become a better parent? How do, I, how do I become a better worker? How do I become a better spouse? Should I get married? Should I not get married? What should I think about today's cultural moments? We can stand on the shoulders and look to the heritage of faith that we find. And what's beautiful is what unites us is Jesus and the Spirit stands throughout time to remind us of God's Word. And what Paul is actually doing here is he's echoing an Old Testament passage, Malachi 1.11, that suggests that the Corinthians are part of fulfillment of God's plan to be worshipped among all the Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish people. And that's Paul's ultimate purpose in writing to them. He's trying to say, Remember your part in the story. Because when we forget the part we play in, our, in the big story, we will cease to experience change in our personal lives. See, when we remember the big story, that we are God's representatives to the world because of Jesus through the Spirit, we're able to continue to revisit the Scriptures again and again and say, God, change me. Work in me. Get, make me better. Give me a wisdom and a knowledge that I cannot achieve on my own. I need you. And when we do that, we see it in contrast to the world we find ourselves in that says, oh, I'm smart enough to figure out how to do this thing called life on my own. We need to revisit the Scriptures and be transformed by the Spirit. See, what Paul might say to us is that the spiritual life does not belong to us, but belongs to God who is faithful. And you must be in Vancouver and belong to God so that you transcend the anxiety, the disgust, 
Be outraged present. Meaning be firm by pursuing Jesus in your everyday life where he has placed you. Because you belong to God. Not to any specific tribe or people group. But instead you can be transformed and transcend that so that your story is not eliminated or erased. But there's purpose provided. And so at the outset, one of Paul's, one of what Paul does is he addresses them thinking too highly of themselves. And because Paul proposes that the church should be increasingly influenced, learning to live with God, Paul must specifically address the areas of life where the evidence of their life undermine the gospel. And the way of following Jesus puts forward a compelling case for what it means to be truly human. And if you want to be truly human, if you want to be human in a different way, then your fundamental posture must be in your context, but not of our context. See, what God has done in Christ Jesus, he is reminding them for this at the outside, that God makes them new people. Because they are set apart, they must bear the character of the God who thus set them apart. They don't have to invent, invent what it means to be set apart. They don't have to invent morality or they don't have to uh, invent a level of ethics, but instead they can take their cue from their heavenly Father and trust that His will and His way will give them all the guidance they need, no matter what time or place they find themselves in. And that will be particularly the case in this letter, which addressed to a community whose spirituality and higher wisdom have been largely divorced from ethical consequences. I was thinking of a picture that I saw this week as I was scrolling through Instagram. And it was this picture of uh, this lake thing, and in the middle of the lake was a fish bowl, and there was a fish inside of it, and then there was a fish outside of it. And the fish inside uh, had the title religion, and then the fish outside of it said spirituality. And what happens is when we see images like that, we go, oh, that sounds nice. That seems good. I'm freed from restrictions. I'm, I'm freed to do as I please. And don't take me using this picture and describing it as an approval for uh, necessarily religion at face value. But I bring this up to say we live in a world that constantly thinks that we, are, we can outsmart ourselves or that we can constantly think ourselves to a better future. And if I just remove any sort of guidance or confines, then I will be better off. That I don't need any sort of orienting direction. That we can essentially be a train without train tracks. And what the beautiful thing is, is that God gives us time and time again as a way that we can orient ourselves, so that we perfectly have the scriptures and the spirits because we know that each of our daily lives our experiences are different our work is different things have changed but there in the moment when we remember we are loved children of god that we belong to god we can then take the next step in a direction that is informed by his word and his spirit and so that we don't have to come up with the right solution on our own, but rather we can step and experience the freedom that he so de 
desperately desires us to truly have. That we can, again, as I said a couple weeks ago, co-create with God in the place we find ourselves. But we are so unused to experiencing that. See, we live in a world that constantly says you are measured by what you do, not who God says you are. Therefore, we're tempted to say, think that if we just say the right thing, then we can avoid conflict, that we can change someone else, or even have success. Rather, what we must be understand is that we must grow in integrating Jesus into every aspect of our lives, that we must look to him. And I fully expect each and every one of us to go, that seems difficult, that seems scary, because if I rightly understand Jesus' character and priorities and who our Heavenly Father is, the actions that might result out of that may be the exact thing our world says we shouldn't do. It comes out in things like, yeah, just make it up on your own. It comes out in other ways of just cut out the negativity. It, it comes out in other ways that say, man, you really shouldn't forgive that person for what they've done to you. And we'll have to consciously choose to choose God's wisdom in this moment over our own. And understand that some of you here today have heard words similar to that before and then been hurt again and again. And so I say this knowing full well that you may have trauma or pain in your past because you've tried to follow Jesus and it still caused hurt or pain. And this is the hope that Paul gives us at the very outset of his letter, that we must be defined not by our present circumstances, but by who God is and that there is a future hope. Because this is what Paul says in verse 9. God is faithful, and you were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. When the going gets tough, you don't have to be tough. When the going gets tough, we return to who our Father says we are. Not to our own wisdom or to our own expertise or to thinking so highly of ourselves but being reminded that we are defined by a future reality that God wants to make evident in our life. It means we are both already and not yet. And what's so fascinating is Paul hits this head on. See, unlike many times, we tend to domesticate faith by eliminating, eliminating anything that could be troublesome. But what's so amazing is Paul here at the very beginning says, Hey, Corinth Church, you've got some issues, you've got some things going on that we need to deal with. But I'm still thankful for you. I'm thankful for your story. I'm thankful for God's Spirit at work. I'm thankful for the scriptures that have taken root in your life. It doesn't mean we're not going to have to deal with some things. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have to be called to a higher and more profound standing to to. to be called to what we already are, to be called to what you already are. But Paul, even with all their difficulty and all their frustration, all their missteps, Paul says, I am thankful for you. And he gives genuine thanks to God for both the Corinthians and themselves, for God's having gifted them 
And at the same time, he says, the work's not done yet. The tendency, I think, for us, if I can step back from this for a moment and say, Generations Church, we just celebrated our two-year birthday last week. And I've said time and time again, the work is not done. And it's not done in this community, but it's also not done in you. Which means that there's going to be moments of difficulty. There may be things as we go through this master class series together that you go, man, I'm not sure I like that. But my hope is that we can be ruthlessly purposeful and coming together again and again, seeking to make the scriptures evident in our lives so that the watching world will go, hey, there is a church, who knows? They don't got it all together. But they're willing to be together, follow Jesus, and revisit their lives and their thinking and what they have come to know as spirituality again and again. Some of you may go, yeah, I'm, I'm in that immature state. But it's not because of the length of time you've been following Jesus, but it's because of how limited the gospel has impacted your life. Some of you are more mature, meaning you are painfully aware that you must keep growing, changing, loving, and serving. And I hope that we have a persuasive and effective answer for our world. That true spirituality is not making it up. True spirituality is not having the right mix. But true spirituality is following Jesus in all aspects, all aspects of life. Learning to be human and sharing that humanity with others becoming what we already are in Christ. Let's pray. God, you are good, and I'm thankful for who you are and what you have done. My hope and my prayer is that as we journey together, that we become increasingly what we already are. And that as we're challenged, we are also changed that we're also confirmed with your love and with your grace. God, that we are not measured by our standard or what we think spirituality is, God, that we are measured time and time again by your standard, that you see us rightly and fully and still call us yours. I'm thankful for that truth. I'm thankful for Paul's example to be thankful even in the midst of difficulty even in the midst of when things aren't ideal. Thank you for your love and your grace. So just name I pray. Amen. All right, so the band's going to come back up here in a minute or two, and they're going to play a couple more songs for us, and we just want to invite you to respond during this time, however God is leading you to respond. Um, we have a few ways that you can respond with us this morning. The first way is uh, by taking communion. Um, it'll be on either side of the room over here. We just ask that you, you know, get up, grab that, and just remember the love and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and, the, and what he endured on the cross.